This is episode number 197 with an epic life coach, Carl Massey. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Hey guys, welcome back to the Super Day Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on the show today and I'm very pumped about today's episode. It's one of those episodes where you're gonna get a lot of energy, a lot of motivation, a lot of boost. For a change, we're gonna mix things up. We're not gonna talk about data science. We're gonna just talk about happiness. So on the show today, I've got Carl Massey, who is a life coach, a corporate trainer, and also just a very, very happy person. I met Carl when I was in Bali in March this year, and he owns a yoga studio there called The Practice. And I just saw him walking around and he was smiling all the time. He's like a super happy guy. And I had to talk to him. I got to know him a bit better. Took a couple of months to get him on the show because he's quite busy flying around the world and giving uh, talks on how to propel your life forward, how to boost it, how to get the most out of your life experience. But finally got him on the show and we talked. We had such an amazing conversation. Even just by listening to this talk, you will feel, you'll most likely feel how you are calming down, how your energy level is going up and how you're just smiling as well. So very, very fun talk. We, we talked specifically about some tips that he gives in his book, which is called The Guidebook to Happiness. I picked it up when I was in Bali and I've been reading it since. Some very valuable tips. So we'll dive into a couple of them here so that you can get a feel for it and also get some valuable tips that we can actually change your life and uh, yeah at the end of the day if you're happy and then your work gets better your results are better you get more success everything everything works around that so that's why I think it's a super important topic and I can't wait for you to check out this episode and get to meet Carl Massey on that note, let's dive straight into it. And without further ado, I bring to you Carl Massey, an epic life coach. Welcome back to the Super Day Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I've got a very exciting and very unusual for our type of podcast guest, Carl Massey. Carl, welcome to the show. How are you going today? I'm doing fantastically well, super excited about this opportunity and um, yeah, I'm excited to um, share what I've picked up along the way with uh, you and your guest. That's, that's so cool. Thank you so much. And why I say unusual is because this is a podcast for data scientists and Carl is, um, is an author of books about how to, like guidebook, uh, the book I have in my hands is Guidebook to Happiness, but you also do presentations on public speaking on how to be successful in life. You have a yoga studio. So completely opposite side of the realm. What do you think? Like, do you think there's some intersection where people can get a, a lot of value and enhance their lives, even in the space of data science through what you teach? Oh, absolutely. So my thinking is the more we do the inner work, the more we're going to have a you know, positive experience externally. So 
And I tend to find that the external results are enhanced, you know, by the quality of the inner work we do. So absolutely. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, tell the listeners a bit how we met. So I was in Bali, I think in March this year, and uh, there's uh, two, two main cities that I visited were Ubud and Changu. Really love Changu. There's a great co-working space there called Dojo, and there's a fantastic yoga studio called The Practice. And actually, Carl is the owner of The Practice, and uh, I, I went there literally, like I was there for a week. I went there twice a day, loved it totally. Uh, and there I met Carl. I picked up your book there as well. Um, tell us about how it all started. So you're originally from Australia. How did you start a yoga studio in Bali? <laughs> It was certainly not on my business plan. Like, if I was to give you a, a quick chronological summary of my life leading up to it, yeah. Um, joined the army at 17 years old. Went to the Defence Force Academy. Graduated as an officer. Spent 14 years in the military. Left as a major. Travelled for a year. Then started consulting to Olympic Games in Salt Lake City. And I'd also worked on the Sydney Olympic Games while I was still in the military. My specialty was um, bomb management, and so I was consulting to the Secret Service in Salt Lake um, Winter Olympics in 2002, and went to Athens for a couple of years, consulting on the Olympics there, um, Italy, Torino for the Winter Olympics for a year, and then Doha for the Asian Games 2006, so I spent a couple of years there. So security consulting, and it was it was interesting for me and I became very good at it, but it didn't resonate for me. It didn't sort of light me up. So I'd, I'd always been interested in physical body. Mm-hmm. And then I got interested in, you know, understanding why we do what we do and why we don't do what we know what we ought to do and, you know, trying to work on um, human performance. So followed uh, Anthony Robbins was, I guess, my entry point back in 1999 and, since then, I say I've read, I don't know, 500, 600 books on different self-help and psychology and positive psychologies and social psychologies, all of that. And in 2007, I decided to make the transition from something that I became very good at and I got a lot of external recognition for to something that I actually had my heart in. And it was a uh, an interesting transition, and it certainly wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. So after doing some training for a year, then set myself up in Bali in yes. 2008, um, thinking that, and I'm I'm a strategist, so it's you know live somewhere where there's a low cost of living as you're making a transition. Asia's on the growth, close enough to Australia, so I could visit my family. Easy enough to set up a company in Singapore. All of those factors um, led me to set up in Bali. So coaching for a number of years, and that included corporate presentations, mainly in Singapore and Australia, some back in the Middle East, and started writing a couple of books along the way, work of different clients. And then I coached the two guys that were the founders of the Yoga Center. And I'd been doing yoga since 1999, so it was always part of what I believe to be one of the best physical activities, which also has you know positive benefit for our emotional health, our psychological health. So it was always something I was fascinated with, and I thought, as far as return on investment goes, it's a great a great practice. 
So I'd certainly recommend it to you know everyone listening to say, if you're about getting the biggest return on investment in the shortest period of time for a sort of a holistic um, approach, yoga would be something to, to look into if you're not already doing it. So I started working with the two guys, Rob and Octavio, that founded the idea of creating this yoga center called The Practice, and I knew they'd need some help along the way. So I coached them and at some point decided to jump into the business because, again, it was in alignment with uh, my philosophical beliefs mm. on, uh, on how to enhance ourselves, our performance, and how to make the world a better place. Fantastic. Wow, that's, that's really cool. And uh, I must say, when I was at the practice, you guys, you guys teach a very interesting like a, like i can really relate to how you teach yoga because you go into not just the like you know, have a class and go away but like it feels like you are part of something bigger like you you come back and you continue and you continue and also uh you had that wonderful session by i think it was kelly about the history of yoga and the mm. theory of yoga which is like a three-hour workshop or even longer on a saturday and i really enjoyed that mm. to get to understand I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys predominantly teach Hatha yoga and yin yoga yeah. and others. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. So Hatha is more traditional and we take a very traditional approach. And our thought on it is, you know, a lot of modern yoga takes the exercise system but doesn't take the roots and the philosophy, which actually, you know, the things that help you you know, live life more optimally, actually. It's, you know, the physical is a part of it. But as we all know, if we're stressed out, if we can't manage our emotions, like we can be in peak physical shape, but we can still be miserable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I remember we were doing, like, you guys, I love that you guys do uh, several times a week, you have these after-hour sessions. Like on a Tuesday, you had this kirtan singing mm. and Octavio was running it. And I, I came there. It was like, really cool there was i don't know maybe 30 40 people in the room and they were playing these very peculiar musical instruments and i was i had a look at uh, the audience including you you are always so happy man like you are just walking around <laughs> with the biggest smile on your face and like it's just like i'm so so excited for the life you lead and it just i would love to be at least half as happy as you are like what's your secret is it all yoga or is there something else it's it's doing the work and look I you know I've been doing the work since 1999 so that was start of my shift decided to get into yoga I went sort of vegetarian or pescatarian or whatever they call it where you still eat some fish mm-hmm. and uh, you know I really cut cut down on alcohol and um, what I found was you know I used to make a lot of poor choices because I wasn't conscious enough of um, what what emotional state I was in while I was making those decisions, I'd make decisions without the right information. I might make the decisions, heaven forbid, with alcohol involved in it, and I just would make these poor choices. So, you know, part of the shift for me is just making better choices. And I call it, um, you know, conscious living, consciously co-creating the experience we want to have in our life um, by being um, more thoughtful in decision-making and and learning tools as well. So I've got tools and strategies to do that. So if you think of a wise, sage-like man or woman, you know, they're not racing. They're not sort of fast with saying things. Like 
sort of they're gliding along with elegance and grace, very grounded, very centered. Something will come up and they'll just, you know, observe it, chew on it, digest, and then think of the best response. And then they'll just come out with a response that's, you know, very measured and very specific for the situation that is right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that takes the most work is, and when I'm coaching clients, it's really about um, taking them out of reactivity. Because most of the time, look, there's studies that suggest that you know, 5% of the time we're actually conscious of what we're thinking, feeling, and how we're behaving. Mm-hmm. 95% of the time we're on autopilot. And another piece of research was saying that you know, we think that when we're making decisions, we're sort of 100% conscious of those decisions. The results were suggesting it's probably 50-50. So 50% of the time, we're not even conscious of the decisions we think we're making consciously. Mm-hmm. We're just regurgitating the past. So, so the work we want to do is, how can I be less reactive? Because reactivity is just living in the past. Mm-hmm. So past experience, I've got that memory in my head. If, if I bring the same experience to a new experience, I'm not going to get a new result. I'm going to get the same as the old result. Mm-hmm. So part of my work is to, to do the work so I'm grounded, stable, conscious enough, and I bring wisdom into a current situation to make the best choice. The best choices equal the best results. Best results equal a, a life well lived. So for me, if I'm going to have a great life, I need to be making great decisions. So for me, a lot of my work has been, what are the things I can do to increase and amp up my decision-making skills? Wow, that is that is really cool. Um, and I feel that that's, uh, that's something that I do a lot. I feel like I rush into things quite often, like when there's a choice that needs to may- be made or a decision. Like I feel in general, I'm just rushing through life a lot of the time. And I can totally see how that has you know consequences when you're like you make the wrong choice or i wouldn't say like wrong choice but like you you just hastily make a choice right and Mm. like like they say Mm. there's there's no right or wrong choices there's there's no wrong choices there's only learning but still you know sometimes sometimes you can be a bit more as you say graceful and elegant about it yeah i i like to have a a lead role in the outcomes in my life Mm. so i want to put deliberate thought into making those decisions and if I make a quick decision and I don't have all the resources, I don't have all the information, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not necessarily going to make my best choice. Now, I don't want to wait around for all the perfect, you know, answers so then I can make the choice. I don't want to have that either. Yep. So I sort of look at the, the small choices which have little consequence. It's okay for me to go a little bit faster on those. But for the most important impactful things, mm-hmm. I need to take my time. I was just with a client yesterday and she was trying to disentangle herself. Um, She was in a relationship and it was an intimate plus a business partnership. And then Mm. they've separated um, from an intimate relationship and now they're still the business. So trying to sort that out. Yeah. And she's, you know, having a conversation with him. He's on the other side of the planet to where she is at the moment. And, you know, she just tried to wing her way through that conversation with him and it was pretty disastrous mm-hmm. and I was saying to her like realize the things that are most important in your life like 
it's really important for you to sort out this business thing and work out you know, how you're going to part ways on that. So if that's really important, take your time to get really prepared for that. Make sure you have all the information. Don't make assumptions. Make sure you're in the right state of mind, even down to saying, you know, she took the call when she was like sitting on her bed and she was all chilled and relaxed and had her mala beads on and her yoga clothes on and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she wasn't in the right frame of mind to have a business conversation with, with this ex-partner. Mm -hmm. um, so we came down to if she had that conversation, she would go to Dojo where you talked about the co-working space. Mm -hmm. She would rent out a space there. She would have a jacket on. She used to be a lawyer in a former life. Mm -hmm. You know, put her power clothes on and, you know, that would anchor her and put her in the right state of being to actually show up for that conversation. So I'm about being deliberate and intentional about the things that really matter. Yeah. And like Tony Robbins says, change your state, change your life, right? It's uh, mm. everything, like anything we do in life, success is 20% mechanics and 80% psychology. If you're in Absolutely. the right state, you know, you, you can get, can move mountains. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you have any tips on like, like that was a great idea, example of getting somebody into state by, you know, changing the environment, mm. changing mm. clothes. Any, any other tips for like anybody at any moment in time, how they can change their state? Like if I'm sitting at work and I'm kind of like in a miserable, uh, poor state, <laughs> how, how do I change that in a, like in a yeah. second? Yeah. 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 I mean, you, Tony, you talked about Tony Robbins. So he has this thing called a triad. So he says, if you change your physicality, your physiology, if you change what you're focused on, if you change your language, mm. you can change your emotional state in a moment. So that's a good one. So physically moving your body. Yeah. Now, we might not be in the office and be able to jump around and that sort of thing, but we can certainly breathe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the yogis, you know, studied this for thousands of years and were saying that, you know, when we bring the breath in and we slow down with that breath, we take longer inhales that grounds us a little bit more. And now science is saying that, yes, when we breathe in through the nose, it actually um, dampens the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. So if we've got anxiousness, just by breathing in through our nose, slow breaths in and slow breaths out, we're actually going to change the state of our nervous system, which is going to make us more relaxed. And what I tell uh, my clients is when we're more relaxed, we've got a broader perspective so we can make better choices. If we're stressed out, we're like looking through tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for us to make choices. So um, we move our physical bodies. One, we might go outside for a walk. If we're at our desk and we can't go anywhere, we can just breathe. There's another one, just, um, just walking and breathing on the spot in a cross-crawl pattern, which means it's like marching, like when the left knee comes up, the right arm is up. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing in that is it's increasing communication between the right and left hemisphere of the brain via this sort of plexus between them called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're creating whole brain synergy and coherence. And when the brain comes into coherence, the nervous system comes into coherence, and we're able to access, you know, all parts of our brain because we're out of that stress response. So it might be just up walking and breathing on the spot for a, a minute or so, again, to change that state and again, to reconnect with the breath and cool down our nervous system. Mm. There might be other things as well. I, 
read a great book called um, Hardwiring Happiness. Mm-hmm. And what he suggested is quite often we go through life and we see something beautiful, beautiful sunset or beautiful tree or beautiful um, ocean setting. And we look at them, we say, that's great. And then we turn around and move on. And he's suggesting when you see that beautiful thing, like anchor that memory, the feeling of it, you know, the senses, the sight, and spend like just, you only need a minute. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is like, every time you have these amazing things happen, you're anchoring that memory. So you can be sitting at your desk and then bring to mind this memory of, oh, yeah, of like I was up on this mountain, I was looking across and I could see the water there and the breeze was blowing. And your body doesn't know the difference between something that's real and vividly imagined. So you start releasing the chemistry that you would have if you're actually living that experience real. So that changes your state at a you know a very physical and very chemical level. Wow. So basically if I if I see some really beautiful sunset or something that inspires me, not just go past it, but like actually remember it in my memory and then and then bring it Absolutely. up when I'm sitting at work. And Absolutely. That's so so cool. when you sit there like, you know, or you're standing there looking at imagine like you know, this energy is infusing your whole body, like you're fully having a full body experience of this thing. And what you're doing is firing and wiring, you know, different neurons and you're, you know, forming this memory in your brain. Mm-hmm. So you can pull that to mind when you're like, you know, having one of those less than optimum days and you just want to, you know, get the, uh, the happy juices flowing a little bit more and it's like, mmm, smile on your face as you like, you know, connecting to that. Yeah. I mean, just... Just smiling, you you know, changing different um, facial muscles and actually triggering um, different biochemistry as well. So there's a simple one for you. Just put a smile on your face. Mm. Actually change, you know, how you're feeling. That's awesome. So there we go. We already have three tips. Uh, breathing, <laughs> then um, remember something. Uh, put something to memory and remember it when you're stressed. And then also put a smile on your face. I, I don't know about our listeners. I don't know about you guys, but... Like I'm already feeling more relaxed just talking to you. I think you like you emit this energy, like you, you, you know, like your voice is really calming. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned uh, the union of uh, the left and right hemisphere through through breathing and through that exercise, mm-hmm. you, the marching on the spot. So, yeah. what yeah. I learned from you guys at um, the practice that actually was very interesting that yoga when it originated, which is Hatha yoga, is like I think four or five thousand years old. When it, mm. when, we, when it originated, it didn't have anything to do with poses. Like, pose mm. is just a means yeah. to an end. The actual purpose of yoga yeah. is, and the translation of the word, is to the union. And the union of yeah. the left and right hemisphere. Could you tell us a bit more about mm. that? And the reason I ask is because as data scientists and analysts and people in like the tech space, we tend to use our left hemisphere like a lot, a lot all the, all the time. Mm. What is the mm. benefit of the union between the left and right hemisphere? And is it something that we should also strive towards? Yeah, look, I, I read something somewhere. And so the suggestion was that uh, an Einstein was someone who would have whole brain thinking. So the ability to be extremely creative and the ability to be you know, extremely analytical and it's our ability to dance between those two things. And this is in life too, us to be able to dance between um, opposites, you know, on a spectrum. One end of the spectrum might be extreme, up the other end extreme, but we might need to oscillate between those two extremes 
um, to have the, the greatest dance through life. So for me, um, doing yoga and yoga, you know, at, at the essence of it is preparing the physical bit, is preparing the body to do meditation. So meditation is the, you know, one of the best practices for calming down our mind. And what it allows too is when people go into deeper states of meditation, and I've seen brain scans on this. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza has done a, a lot of phenomenal work on it. When someone goes into a deep meditative state, their gamma brain activity like starts to heighten. Um, you know, and someone might look at it first and think that person's having a seizure, but mm-hmm. that person is having a like a heightened experience. And gamma brain wave activity is related to when the brain can draw information from all different parts. So, you know, that's the brain lights up like a Christmas tree and it's like those aha moments when suddenly this dot connects with this dot, connects with this dot, and you're like, whoa, yeah, I've got it. And for me, like, that's that's when we truly prosper in life. I call that quantum leaping. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing the Newtonian thing where we've got to do this step. So anything that we can do to enhance our ability to be more creative, um, the more we're going to propel ourselves in life and professionally mm-hmm. without a shadow of a and for me, you know, meditation is one of the best tools. And obviously it's thousands of years old for, for good reason. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, you just got me thinking about how, med- like, wh- where do you find the time, you know? Like, people are so busy <laughs> these days, you know, yoga, meditation. I don't like that word, I don't like the word find. Because if we use the word, and... I've studied new, neuro-linguistics programming, mm-hmm. so I'm very conscious of the words we use. Mm-hmm. And, those, and the words we use sort of drive the way we feel, they drive where our attention goes. And if I have the statement that, you know, I need to find something, I tend to think that there's something outside of myself that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So I might just change my language around on that and said. And I would use the word, how can I create? So mm-hmm. I, I know that everyone listening to this is a creative genius. <laughs> it's just what can we do to become even better creators? Like that's where our work is. So, you know, this meditation is one of these tools so you can get even better at being creative like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And what do you think of... Um you know like it, it would be fantastic for people to experience meditation i i uh, tried um you guys have knee like you have so many different types of yoga i tried nidra yoga with octavio yeah. in your um in the at the practice and it's kind of like meditations guided um what what would you say for people all around the world listening to this is there um like for instance there's an app called i think it's called headspace for meditation yeah. Do you recommend those types of applications for guided meditation or is there some other way that people can learn how to meditate? I, I recommend whatever um, fits for someone. So I will say to my clients when I first start working with them, and I'm leading all of my clients to start a daily practice of meditation, mm-hmm. mindfulness is slowing down. And I say, in the first instance, get in the habit of starting. Mm-hmm. So you want to like start and, and you know yourself, it's the, the things you do on a consistent, persistent basis that are going to lead to mastery. Mm-hmm. So the mastery is the one that every day shows up, regardless of whether they feel like it or not, does the work, and they're just building it, compound interest, mm-hmm. little by little. Um, so 
I say to my clients, just get in the habit of showing up, create the time, get up five minutes earlier. So I'd prefer to see someone do five minutes on a daily consistent basis than do 30 minutes every, you know, seven days or five days or whatever. So my thing would be find one of those apps, and I think Headspace is a great one, and I think there's a number of others, and just start off doing a five minutes and just get in the habit of showing up, and then maybe that five minutes drifts into six minutes, seven minutes. Six months later, you've got a habit of this and you like starting to feel the benefits of it. You're finding yourself less reactive. You're finding yourself more creative. You're finding yourself coming up with better ideas and that sort of thing, and you're like, whoa, I can I'm ready to then go to the next stage and maybe, you know, learn something a little bit deeper. Another path might be someone goes and, you know, jumps online and finds a meditation course. Maybe there's a local, you know, offering of a meditation course at a yoga center or something like that, um, you know, where you live. And have a look around and find this thing and try it out for yourself. Um, I'm convinced of, you know, a couple of things, and this is one of them. In, in the past, we didn't have to do physical activities because we had a lot of incidental activity. We were walking, riding, running, um, physically washing clothes and everything, so we didn't need it. But because technology came in, then we started not doing those basic physical things, so then gyms came up and because they realised we actually need to physically move our body to have optimum physical health and mental and emotional health as well. I think we're going to go the same way with meditation. I think we live in an overly stimulated world where our brains are highly stimulated. And everyone listening to this, you know, spends a lot of time in front of computers as, as, as well as I do. So because we get stimulated by those, by smartphones, our brain doesn't get some relaxed time. So if we want to be high performers and perform at a high level, you know, just like equal and opposite, we need to make sure we have deep rest as well. And that's where something like meditation comes in. It's like a deep rest. It's like a shower for the brain. So the brain can wind right down. And that's going to like help high performance and sustainability with the high performance as well. Wow. Okay. That, that is very deep. <laughs> you, got me, you got me thinking there. Um, fantastic. Well, thanks so much. Those are some outstanding tips. Um, and... On this note, actually, I would like to move on to, like, gradually transition onto your book, the one that I've been reading. It's called The Guidebook to Happiness. And you have a fantastic number of tips here, like, like similar to the ones you gave, but uh, very, very structured in the form of a book, um, that people can use to become more happier. And I like how you say in the book that it's not a rule book to happiness, it's a guidebook to happiness. There's a difference. Mm. Everybody has their own mm. journey. If you don't mind, like uh, without going through the entire book, do you mind if we pick out like a few chapters and um, we talk about them? Something no, no, like... no, absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, awesome, thank you. So probably the first one, uh, first chapter, because like first one that I'd like to talk about is actually chapter one and it's, it all starts with the mind. And I really mm -hmm. enjoyed how you describe that a lot of the things that we do, as, as you already mentioned on this podcast, that you know, 95% of our thinking is unconscious and out of the remaining 5%, half of it is based on past thinking. So like in total, mm. about 2.5% is actually new, new <laughs> way of thinking, right? Unless, unless yeah. we, we control it consciously, somehow force ourselves. And so in the book, you mentioned that 
uh, our conscious mind can interpret about 40 uh, stimuli per second, whereas our subconscious mind mm. can interpret about 20 million stimuli per second. So th mm. that is the mm. difference. And can you tell us a bit, like, how can we leverage that power of the subconscious mind to help us, uh, to guide us to more happiness? Okay. So I guess the biggest thing is it's very difficult for us to communicate to the subconscious brain. And the subconscious part of our brain, midbrain, lower brain, is hugely powerful. So it does trillions of things, trillions of things per second. Like, just amazing. So we want to be able to communicate with the operating system. So the way that we communicate with it is the subconscious part of our brain just delivers what it thinks we consciously most desire. Mm -hmm. And it bases that based on, you know, what we pay most attention to. What we pay attention to is where our energy goes. So if I pay attention to the things I don't want, mm -hmm. my my subconscious part of my brain doesn't get the memo that's what I don't want. It just sees this thing coming up a lot, a lot of emotion associated to it. So it goes, this must be really important. So <laughs> as a subconscious part of your brain, I'm going to help you achieve that thing that you don't want. Yeah. Like this is the, the funkiness. And once we get that, we can go, okay, I can flip this on its head, reverse engineer it. I like, okay. So if I take time to get really clear about what it is I don't want, and then I practice getting into an elevated emotional state. I get like excited. I get enthusiastic. You know, I get um, obsessed with this beautiful, powerful thing that I want to create. And that starts changing my biology. And it starts, you know, I'm firing and wiring different signals in my brain as well. But I'm also letting the subconscious part of my brain know that this is important to me. And the subconscious part of the brain has a, an element called the reticular activating system. And this is the thing that filters out those 40 million bits of information. Mm -hmm. It filters out what it thinks is most important in order to achieve the thing it thinks we want. Mm -hmm. So if I sort of prime my brain to say, this is what I truly want in my life and I associate emotions with it, subconscious part of the brain, reticular activating system goes, I come on the lookout for that. So we're suddenly walking along and we go to um, a, a cash register. We're going through the checkout of a store. And suddenly we notice off in our periphery this front cover of a magazine, which has an article in there relevant to the thing we're particularly interested in pursuing. It's because our subconscious is just picking up all this information. Mm -hmm. and because we've already primed the brain to say that's what we want, the subconscious is on the lookout to help us close the gap between where we are now and the sort of the, the finalization of that, um, that thing that we desire. So mm. that's, you know, understanding the brain and priming the brain in advance of the thing we want and realizing if we're hyper fixated on what we don't want, we're actually telling the brain at some level that that's what we want. So we just need to be conscious of, you know, where we're putting our attention. We can't control our thoughts like there's, I don't know, I've heard different things, 45,000 to 60,000 thoughts per, per day. Mm -hmm. We can't control all those thoughts. Like they just come in and there's good ones and there's crappy ones and they're, they're just going to be there. But what we can do is decide what we put our attention on. That's what we have with this frontal lobe of our brain mm -hmm. in, the, in the cortex of our brain. We've got the ability to focus our attention on a particular thing. That's what makes us so powerful.
Yeah, yeah, totally. And just to add to your uh, uh, comment about the reticular activating system, so that cash register example, that that's very, very like typical, I guess, of of uh, what uh, what happens there. But I think an example that everybody's experienced, just to put into perspective for for our listeners, that like imagine you're sitting at dinner with somebody and you're talking, uh, and uh, you know there's so many things going around you, and and you actually think you are engage in the conversation that's all that you're hearing but that's all your conscious mind is hearing and uh, the proof of that you're actually hearing way more you're hearing like hundreds of thousands of times more things and you're in taking more information is uh we've all been in a situation where you're talking and then somebody at a table nearby says your name not in the sense that they're calling you specifically but maybe they're mentioning somebody who's also whose name is also carl or or peter or, or, or Susan, like, so they're saying your name in conversation and instantly you turn your head towards them. That's your reticular activating system picking up mm-hmm. your name because it knows that your name is an important word that it has to always register. Mm-hmm. And it might even go deep into that. It might even be picking up a conversation, a snippet of a conversation that's important for you to achieving what you want to achieve. And again, it just picks up that and you're suddenly drawn to that conversation over there and like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. And like, it's it's a powerful tool that we have in our arsenal, and we just want to make sure we utilize it and optimize it um, in our favor. Yeah, and I also really like what's in the book that you described that our subconscious mind works in images. It uh, it communicates mm-hmm. to us in images, and we can like mm-hmm. through dreams and things like that, yeah. and we can communicate back to it not in words but in images, and so. That's yeah. that explains the whole thing. What you mentioned that if uh, you're if you really don't want something, well, guess what? You're actually visualizing what you don't want, and the subconscious mind doesn't understand the word no, so it's just going to be yeah. like, oh, that's what he wants. So the best way to communicate yeah. the subconscious mind is, and this is the exercise I think that you pro, like recommend here is visualize success. Just visualize mm-hmm. what success will look like, and your subconscious mind will find ways to get you there. Yeah, and the next level up, so leveling up on that is visual image and then connect the elevated emotions with it. Mm. So that's when you start tapping into the quantum field because our emotions create this electromagnetic field around us. Now we're going quantum. So that's that's the, the gold star version of you know creating and manifesting the things in your life. Mm-hmm. Clear vision and elevated emotional state. Totally, totally agree with that. Um, yeah, okay, well, that's hopefully that's that's useful for our listeners. That was chapter one. And the interesting part, of what I like about your book is, um, like, these chapters are very short. Like, chapter one is one, mm-hmm. two, three, like, five, seven pages or eight pages. Oh. And, like, you read it, like, I, ha- I had the temptation to read the whole book in, like, in a day. But I forced mm-hmm. myself to read one chapter per day because... Like, look at us. Like, we've been talking about chapter one for eight minutes now. <laughs> and there's so much to think about, so much to practice, so much to, like, get in your head so you don't skim over these things. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, my military background made me write a book that, you know, I've the thing I do in life is I read a lot, I learn a lot, I study a lot, and then I want to digest it, try it out myself, and then take the best nuggets with the highest return on investment and teach other people about it. So, mm. you know, the book was... 21 different tips i sort of explain those then i do a summary of the key messages and then i give specific things to do so i 
I'm all about practical. So I don't want to have my head up in the clouds and be all theoretical. I want to understand the theories, but then I'm like, okay, I've got the theory. How do I apply this to life? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. And, and that's probably why you also have the, at the end, like at, at the end of the, every chapter, you have a summary, like, ha- like yeah. happiness strategies and summary of what you learned. So very, very cool. Okay, let's move on to the next one that I wanted to talk about. And um, that one would be number three, have, re- have and repeat only empowering beliefs. What are empowering mm. beliefs? Mm. And the thing is with beliefs, we've all got lots of different beliefs, thousands of different beliefs, and they're all different. My thing is when I'm working with someone, I'm less interested in what the belief is. I'm more interested in how does it make them feel. Mm -hmm. So what I say is an empowered belief is something that makes me feel good, makes me feel empowered. A disempowering belief is something that makes me feel disempowered or limited. Mm -hmm. Um, An empowered belief, I open up, I get more expansive. I get more creative. I've got more blood flow to my body. I'm more engaged and engaging. I'm more magnetic. And when I'm in a, when I've got disempowering beliefs, I contract and close down, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I go into those stress states. So that's, I guess, the, the definition. I'm just conscious of since we took eight minutes on the last one, I'm conscious <laughs> of how many minutes I've got. <laughs> We're talking about this. Yeah, I didn't know I could talk for a long time. Yeah, that's okay. Well, like, give, us a, give us some examples. We're not going to go through all the chapters. This is mm-hmm. just to give people the probably the, a feel for some of the ones that impacted me the most. What would you say are like some, some good empowering beliefs for people to have? And what's a, what's a good way of putting them into your head? Like, Do you repeat them every day? Do you write them down? What's, what's a good way of doing that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, the best empowering belief you can have is one that cancels out a disempowering belief. Mm. So when I'm working with a client, I'm trying to identify what might be the beliefs that are disempowering them. So I look at a client and I ask them, you know, where in your life have you got disharmony? It's life not going how you want it to go. And then we narrow in on that particular thing. And I say, what is it you tell yourself that causes you to feel that way? And then we get this like belief statement. And I had a client recently and, um, you know, it's not a, a pleasant one for her. She had this belief and because of her, her history and her upbringing and that sort of thing that she didn't deserve to take up space. Mm-hmm. Now, you can imagine if someone has that belief, like they just close down and they like, they're not open to life. And when I talk to her about, you know, what's the opposite of that? Because I want to plant the opposite of that. And it was like, I'm a shining star. Mm-hmm. And like, here's one which is contracting. Shining stars like shining brightly. It's, it's all about expansion. So as I was saying with this client, so once she starts having this belief and anchoring this belief and reaffirming this belief um, mentally but also emotionally that I'm a shining star, she actually starts seeing possibilities where she couldn't see possibilities before. So she saw this possibility of wanting to write a book. When she was in this, I don't deserve to take up space, this contracted, disempowered state, that wasn't a possibility. So by changing her emotional state, by changing her belief, she actually started seeing different possibilities. And this is how powerful, you know, working on beliefs is. And it really is one of the key things I do with all my clients. So... So that might be one way to look at coming up with the right empowered belief for yourself. Um, one of the challenges is if we come up with an empowered belief, like a, like a saying, like a mantra, and if it's like I'm a fantastic, awesome person, 
if we don't believe that and if that's too far of a stretch, mm-hmm. it might be hard for us to own it. So sometimes I might work with someone and say, look, just start saying I'm okay. And then you own I'm okay and then that, mm-hmm. and then you start saying I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then you own that and then you I'm great. So it's like doing muscle repetitions. It's like I go into the gym and I don't just try and lift a 500 pounds. You know, I go in there and I start doing a smaller work and strengthen my muscle. Then I go to the next level. So that's the possibility if um, if someone is coming from a you know a place where their self-esteem isn't great and I've picked up some you know crappy stuff over the years and maybe they've had some tough breaks in life. So it's a little bit of a stretch to be walking around saying I'm wonderful, I'm the best, you know, life is all wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I'm I am practical about this stuff. I'm like, okay, let's work with what we have and where we're at and let's play the long-term game. Like let's build this muscle up over time. If I go too fast, too much weight, too early, I'm likely to do some damage. Mm-hmm. So let's be smart about this. Yep, yep, totally gotcha. So that was uh, chapter three of your book. Uh, thank you. Um, so those are, your, those are beliefs. And hopefully uh, that was helpful again to our listeners and you guys can come up with some empowering beliefs and take it you know, step by step. The next one uh, I'd like to talk about is five. Become a grandmaster through the power of daily rituals. So Tony Robbins talks about daily rituals and uh, some other um, teachers in that space have also mentioned that. And like I've tried it and every time I try it, it's amazing, but then something happens and I stop doing it and, and we're back to square one. So I'd like to recap on these and also for, the, for my own benefit so that I get into a habit yep. of doing some of them more often. So the first daily ritual that you mentioned and you mentioned, how many is it, six or seven here? So the first, uh, the first one that you mentioned is conduct morning energization exercises. Um, could you give us an example of that? Is that like what we talked about before, the, the physical activity in the morning? Yeah, so what I did was um, just put together a collection of activities. Um, and they're just like an athlete that is prepping themselves to go and have their high performance game they're like they want to prepare themselves physically mentally psychologically before they go on the game so what i do is i move my physical body and these days i say mantras as well mm-hmm. so i'm connecting to some of these mantras as i'm physically moving my body so i go through a series and, it, and it's like about three minutes i'm happy to um, give you a link to a video sure where i've done a, a an example of it i've got the ocean in the background you'll mm-hmm. hear me talking over with some of the mantras I say, like some of them are quirky, but um, again, they're just designed to put me into the right psychological state so I can, you know, high perform through my day. They mm-hmm. prep me for my day ahead. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And we'll, we'll definitely include that uh, video in the show notes. So guys, uh, you can get the, show, uh, the link there. We'll mention the show notes at the outro of the podcast. Um, okay, that's that's really cool. Uh, then the next uh, daily ritual is practice gratitude. Now, this is a big one, and I've I've heard it very often. Um, tell us a bit about that. Like, why does experiencing or like feeling gratitude? Why is that? Why does that help you in your day? Whoa, this could be a long one. I'll <laughs> keep it short. Okay. Um, so studies on gratitude and looked at you know if someone practiced gratitude over a series of three or four weeks the level of happiness went up like something like 20% or 25%. Wow. So there's significant benefit. What's happening when we connect to gratitude, 
when we're feeling something, we're actually creating chemistry in our body. Mm-hmm. So there's biochemistry happening in our body, different neuropeptides and neurotransmitters and hormones, which are actually affecting us at a genetic level as well. So by doing gratitude, we're actually turning on all these genes that contribute to our wellness and our well-being. Um, the other thing for me too is if I practice gratitude in the morning, I, I, it primes me to notice the things that are good because, mm-hmm. again, if I don't practice gratitude, I might notice the things that are wrong and that might set me down a spiral. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the leaders in positive psychology um, so I've talked, I read a book called Learned Optimism. So he's saying that you could actually learn to be optimistic based on what you focused on and what you said to yourself. Mm. So it's about like priming yourself to notice what is great. So if you like, you know, come in and I say, I'm so grateful for, you know, my computer that allows me to have conversations with someone on the other side of the planet. I'm so grateful for my whiteboard that allows me to come up with these great creative ideas. And I just, I just keep going. And I know chemistry-wise I'm doing this, and I'm also priming my brain to notice more of the beauty that surrounds me. Mm. And that's, that's just going to create this looping. Mm-hmm. And see that, feel that, feel that, see that, and that's going to be the, the state of being that I experience. Wow, that's, that's very fascinating. I'm actually reading a book now called The Happiness Advantage. And oh, yeah. did you read it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I like, uh, I've only just started, and I like how he says that uh, the people often think that happiness is a result of success. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you need to achieve yeah. something in order to be happy. But actually, there are studies that prove it's the other way around, that success mm-hmm. is a result of happiness. It's kind of like, if you think yeah. about it, he also gives an example in the book that when the, people used to think that the sun revolves around the earth, and then along came yeah. Copernicus and said, no, actually, the earth revolves around the sun. When you, when you think of it that way, it's, yeah. It's like a major breakthrough that you don't need to yeah. achieve things to be happy. Like there's mm. tons of people who have achieved so much, you know, billionaires and super successful yeah. people who are miserable. You actually need happiness. Absolutely. You have happiness and that will bring you success. Mm. That's, I mean, you talked about Tony Robbins before. So he has a statement that says um, success without fulfillment is failure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can have whatever measure of success, but if you don't feel fulfilled and that's, you know, a, an emotion similar or part of the group that you put in the category of happiness, mm. feeling those elevated positive emotions. If you don't feel those, well, you're not successful. Mm-hmm. And I also like how he says that uh, there's a science to success, but there's an art mm. to fulfillment, right? Mm. And this is what mm. we're talking mm. about here, that uh, success, you know, you just do the motions, you learn like what you need to do once you've like you copy somebody or you once you've done it several times you now know what brings you success it's just like yeah. it's mechanical oh well you know obviously yeah. there's psychology involved yeah. but fulfillment yeah. on the other hand it is an art because it's unique to everybody it's individual and all of these and that's that's why your book's not the guidebook it's the rule book uh, not the rule book the guidebook <laughs> <laughs> you're right, like you're you're giving these ideas and tips and people should take away what works for them but like absolutely yeah, puts them on the right, puts us on the right track at least. Mm, mm, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so that, and by the way, we're talking here, guys, about daily rituals. So morning and exercises daily. Practice gratitude also yeah. daily. Uh, this, I mean, this is when you're like one of the things. Sorry to cut you off. There, yeah, yeah, sorry. I just, you know, had the thought come to mind. It's a quote by um, Reverend Michael Beckwith. 
And he says, what's not feeling like it got to do with it? So you're like, you know, I don't feel like meditating. And he's just back at you saying, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> Once you know what's good for you, it's like, you know, this is, you know, grit. This is mental toughness. This is resilience. Um, and this is, you know, the high performers are the people that do have that grit and resilience and, you know, do the work that needs to be done, even if they don't get the, the short term, they don't see the short term benefit. They're playing the long term game. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, you know, what I want to direct my clients to is playing the long term game. And so so one of the things for me that's so valuable about daily rituals is they create this solid foundation. And as we know in buildings, we need to have a solid foundation to build something great on. And the greater we want to build, the the deeper and stronger our foundation needs to be. Mm-hmm. And we have inevitable setbacks in life. Um, you know, there might be relationships ending. There might be losing money, making poor choices, whatever. What we want to do, if we have a good solid foundation, we're likely to bounce back much quicker um, than if we don't have those things in place. From mm-hmm. an entrepreneurial perspective as well, those those give us a level of certainty. So if, if we do those daily rituals, for me, they're like a daily reboot. It doesn't matter if I had a really crappy day the day before. I come into my new day and I say the past doesn't equal the future. The future is shaped by what I do today. I go through my daily rituals and I start as if it's a new day. I reprogram. And, you know, you're, you're, the team listening to this know all about sort of reprogram, rebooting. So think about it the same way. If I sort of, you know, out of whack, I want to reboot the system and start fresh. Mm-hmm. If I have that as a ritual and a series of these things I do as a ritual every morning, whoa, mm-hmm. I'm setting myself up to, you know, have a, have a great day. Wow. And uh, it echoes what the Buddha says. He says, every day we are born again, what we do today matters most, right? Like if you Absolutely. think of life that way. Wow, Absolutely. Carl, I am loving this. I, I'm going to re-listen to this <laughs> myself. <laughs> uh, you know, this is awesome. Okay, so your third daily ritual is meditate. We've already talked about that. We'll skip yep. that one. Yep. Uh, fourth one is visualize and feel attainment of your primary goal. So we know why visualization yeah. is important because of the subconscious Absolutely. mind, of how you talk to it and yep. how it helps you out. What is your primary yep. goal? Is that, what is, can you tell us a bit more about that? Or primary goal is like, what is the one thing that if you achieve that, probably there's a couple of other goals that are going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. So you might have a financial goal, but um, the goal of, you know, creating this business or creating this product or doing this launch, whatever, that might take care of the financial goal. So you don't need to fixate on the financial goal. That's a byproduct of aiming on that primary goal. So with the primary goal, you know, one of the things I use these days is just a little checklist. And I ask myself, is it good for me, like good at a wholesome level? Is it good for others? And is it good for the greater good? Like, is it making a positive impact? And that's how I choose my goals, because I know if I work on those goals, which have those layers of impact, I'm actually going to be living a more meaningful life. Mm-hmm. And when I'm fit, leading a more meaningful life and feeling more fulfilled and feeling more happy. So I want to get really clear about what I'm focusing on. So I want to take my time, and this is a lot of what I do as a coach, is help someone get really clear about what their primary goal is, what their North Star is, what, what they're aiming for. Because as we said about the, you know, the subconscious mind reticular activating system, 
we need to know what to put into that. Um, so it's hugely important for us to work that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Gotcha. Thank you so much. And is this, would this be like a, how, what timeline would you suggest for a goal? Is it like a yearly goal or a monthly goal, a daily goal? Is, is there any guidelines on that? I think it's, um, you know, different for different people. So it might be an 18-month to three-year goal. Mm -hmm. That might be about the range. I used to sort of work on five-year five year goals, but these days there's so much in innovation, mm -hmm. so much movement and so much possibility in our life to, like, do something completely different. I'm just – I've chunked it down into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. I know what my overall, you know, purpose of my life is, like – so, so long as the goals I'm choosing are taking me in that general direction, you know, then, then it's all good. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And uh, that uh, also visualizing a primary goal doesn't mean uh, not visualizing, visualizing other things, right? Like Absolutely. You have to Absolutely. visualize it on a daily basis, but you can visualize other stuff along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay, number five, almost there. Listen to <laughs> or read inspiring material. I really like this one because there's so much, um, just so much stuff out there that like even news that you read, but not by choice, Oof. you know, like yeah. clickbait or negative news or just stuff yeah. that you like, you're watching on YouTube and there's like this a new thing pops up and you get sucked up into reading these things on Facebook and things like that. And that yeah. is like really detrimental, I think, to people. So what is Absolutely. this tip about? It's it's about you being the, the lead in your life, you choosing what you're going to digest and let come into your brain and therefore into your, your whole being. So you selectively go out of your way. So I'm going to like listen to this, you know, daily bod podcast by this particular person because it makes me feel good mm -hmm. and it gives me great information. So I'm going to read a book and I don't have to read, you know, hours and hours per day. Um Elon Musk, I think, said he reads three hours per day. Like, that's just insane. Wow. Incredible. Um, so if you read 15 minutes a day, like, you know, you're at least reading a book every month. Yeah. Like, so it's it's just these little pieces, you know, consistent, daily, all of this stuff stacks up, Einstein and his compound interest. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um Oh, Carl, I wanted to ask you, what time do you normally wake up? Is there, is there like any uh, correlation between what time you wake up and how happy you are? Um, I don't wake up with an alarm, mm. which, you know, is definitely a positive thing. You know, mm. I run my own business and that sort of thing. So I've got the flexibility there. Mm -hmm. I generally wake up sometime between 6 and 6.30. Mm -hmm. um, I do my rituals and I, I do a long meditation. I sometimes up to an hour meditation, but I've been doing it for like seven, eight years, mm -hmm. um, daily meditation. So I might spend a couple of hours working on me, but I need to do that in order for me to show up as a coach, in order for me to show up in front of people with this high vitality and energy. Like if I didn't do the work on myself, I'd come across as a, as a fraud or phony. It'd be too hard for me to do. Mm -hmm. So I need to do the work on myself so that I can be the example that, um, that I want to set for people. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And uh, what about like if you wake up at six? Do you recommend getting eight hours of sleep? So do you, would you? Yeah, does it mean you go yeah. to bed around ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my thing is like seven and a half hours is probably about you know 
my average, and that's like a good average. So the second book I wrote, the guidebook to optimum health, like six pillars, and one of the pillars was rest. And it's so, so important. We have artificial light, artificial stimulants. So, you know, our body clocks are so out of order. And this just, it, it affects our immune system. So it affects our health at a pretty significant level. So definitely, you know, I set the idea of getting up early, but it means I do need to go to bed at a, at a reasonable hour. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, a challenge for people, particularly, you know, people are working on their computers and they might have, you know, creative spurts um, later on in the uh, the day and the evening. Mm-hmm. So we really need to be conscious about how we manage that. Um, sleep deprivation is just cuts into your creativity and, and affects your health over a long term for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, speaking of um, creativity, do you know why that happens? Why do... Sometimes we get creative bursts in the evening specifically. Like I rarely have them in the morning, but in the evening I do get them sometimes. Um, I think for different people it might be even the opposite. So I'm mm. more creative mornings than the evening. So I think it's you find what your rhythm is and then you plan your life around. So, mm. you know, you, you give yourself space when you're most creative to be creative in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when – Maybe at the end of the day, sort of, you know, there's less noise, mm-hmm. less stimulation around you. Right. So it might give you a little bit more access to information, which you may not be able to get because you're so distracted. Yep. Through okay. the day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay. And speaking of health, uh, our your final uh, recommendation for a daily ritual, alkalize and energize your body with a daily green drink or green smoothie. Mm, mm. So, you know, this is, and the, the alkaline, that's based on the idea that, you know, our, our blood work stays most healthy um, when we've got a, a pH balance of 7.4, around that number. Mm-hmm. So it's slightly alkaline. So that means if we want to have an alkaline internal environment, we need to put stuff into our body which is more alkaline. And it just happens that the more alkaline, Things are dark green leafy vegetables, fruit vegetables. So no surprises there. Mm-hmm. And the things that are more acidic are your alcohol, your coffee, smoking cigarettes and sugar and that sort of thing. So no surprises. And meat as well. The green drink. What's that? Meat as well is acidic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me too, it's like I want to have some I'm, – I'm all about return on investments. So how can I get the most goodness in the shortest space of time? So – I'm just throwing this entire, you know, bowl of salad into the blender, blending it. I don't juice it, I blend it, which means I still get the fiber there. And what I'm then getting is this ingestion of micronutrients, macronutrients, phytonutrients. I'm getting fluid into my body as well. I'm getting fiber into my body as well. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm just, instead of waking up on a coffee, I get the vitality you know, of all those nutrients, but I also get the vitality of live foods. So there's an energy to live food. So if I eat a carrot, I feel more energized. And if I eat something that's dead, like a piece of meat, I might get the nutrient from it, but I don't get the energy from it, this vitality, this energy. So that's the green drink. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole different way of looking at food. Um, Carl, I know that uh, this is a different, uh, this is from a different chapter, but I think it would be makes sense to touch on on a, on it a bit here because even though we're running over time, I think it's an important one. <laughs> You've got. Uh, do you have a few minutes more? 
Yeah, so I'm just going to top up with some water. Sure, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Your chapter, um, Liquid Gold for the Body, chapter 14. Tell us about water. Why is it so important to drink enough water per day? So if we look at, you know, the composition of the body, so, you know, 70% plus of the, the body is water. Mm-hmm. And brain, I think we're getting like 75% plus is is fluid. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, you know, we need to make sure we have that fluid into our bodies. And we live in a day and age where there's so many different drinks. People tend to, you know, drink drinks that, you know, might act more like a diuretic. So it might actually help them, you know, lose fluids from their body. Mm, like um, coffee. I live in, yeah, absolutely. So I live in Bali and because it's, you know, a tropical climate, um, you know, I might be sweating more. So I, like I drink six, uh, four to six litres of water a day. And that's, that means I go to the toilet a lot <laughs> through the day as well. But it's like I'm detoxing my body as well. Yeah. So I'm cleansing my body. So, you know, I'm getting the benefit of that fluid in my body. I think a, a lot of people are, you know, generally dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um you know, general population, I think there's quite a lot of people that don't function as well as they could be because they don't consume enough um, water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, for me, it's a huge thing. If, if I'm, like, feeling tired, if I'm feeling uncreative, if I'm feeling sluggish, the first thing I do is I drink a big glass of water. And a lot of times I'll find that will be the thing that is causing me to feel tired. I'm not tired because of lack of sleep. I'm tired because I'm dehydrated. Okay, wow. And so what would you say, like, I know this is, guys listening to this is not medical advice, but what would you say is a healthy average of uh, water intake per day? Just just to put it into perspective, because I know like uh, yeah. people, a lot of people like drink a liter, maybe a liter and a half per day. Is that enough? I Look, I'm thinking around about two liters might be it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it depends on what someone's lifestyle. If you're inside air conditioning, maybe that's making you more dehydrated, tropical climate, mm. then you need to take that up a little bit more. So that might be, and that might be, you know, eight solid glasses mm-hmm. of water um, per day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think play around with it. So, you know, for the listeners out there, like, you know, try, does, you know, me drinking more water through the day, like give me more vitality, like get, get feedback. Yep. Is it making me more creative? Am I less snappy? Because when we're dehydrated, we like we have a shorter fuse. Yep. That is true. And um, uh, for for our listeners as well, out there, just be careful. Like, don't overdo it. If you drink like ten liters, you can lose your mineral. Ba- you can create a mineral disbalance in your body. Like, don't go crazy. Uh, but having said that, like I personally drink like for the past couple of months, I've been drinking. I don't know, like two, maybe at least two, maybe three, four liters a day. And mm-hmm. the other thing is I like um, the why I wanted to mention this during the daily rituals is because it, I've gotten into the habit of like first thing I wake up, I drink like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a liter of water, like 250 milliliters of water at mm-hmm. least because I have it by my bedside table. So even before I'm out of bed or as I'm getting out of bed, I pick up that, uh, you know, like the bottle and I drink it. And, and right away it starts, you know, starts um, detoxing my body even before I eat. Yep. And I think that's, that's important yep. as well. Absolutely. I do the same thing and I take it up a notch. I put some apple cider vinegar in yes. it. Yes. And you can put lemon juice or lime juice, which yeah. is making that water alkaline. So again, yeah. you know, ticking this alkaline box. Yeah. Um, start stimulating the liver. So, you know, it's just these little things. You just make these little incremental shifts yeah. and you're getting even 
greater benefit for the body. That's that's awesome, and that's that's like a bonus. I, um, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I do. I take like uh, I have a half a liter or I think six hundred milliliter bottle of water. I put yeah. uh, a teaspoon, tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in it in the evening. I drink half of it before going to bed, and I drink half of it when I wake up in the morning. And right. my God, I've been feeling fantastic. You know, like even though people might think vinegar or lemon juice, it makes it you know acidic. Actually, not. It it feels acidic. But when it gets into your body, because there is no sugar, like like in an orange, there's sugar, but in a lemon, there isn't, or an apple cider vinegar. Mm. When it gets in your mm. body and breaks down, it actually creates an alkaline environment and really helps your immune system, helps you think straight, and has all these other benefits. I don't, like, I've watched Tim Ferriss on this, on why apple cider vinegar mm. is good. He doesn't really know, but it works for him. Works for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no idea. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any insights on that? Like, why, why is apple cider vinegar a good thing? Well, again, I think it's like this alkaline thing. So I think, you know, that alkalizing, I think the sourness of it um, stimulates uh, the liver. So I think that's for creation of bile and that sort of thing. So it just, you know, starts a couple of processes in the body. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, awesome. Well, Carl, thanks a lot. We're, uh, we're <laughs> run, we've run over time. This is one of the longer <laughs> podcasts I've had, but I think it was definitely worth it. Like, I learned a lot of new stuff and I'm going to re-listen to this. This is fantastic. Like whenever, you know, whenever I get off my daily routine and I feel crappy for two days or three days in a row, I'm going to re-listen to this and you're going to give me the motivational <laughs> boost. Um, so uh, a quick shout out. Uh, this was uh, Carl's book, uh, The Guidebook to Happiness. If you want to pick it up, it's available on Amazon. I, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a fantastic book. Uh, so thanks, Carl. You've got a couple of other books. What are the names? You mentioned one of them on the podcast already. So Guidebook to Optimum Health was the second book I wrote, and then the Guidebook to Authentic Success, How to Feel Successful in Our Bones. And it's uh, it's a powerful book for taking a snapshot of your life and sort of you know making sure you're like putting attention and energy into all of the areas from a holistic perspective. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really proud of that one. So yeah. Awesome, awesome. And um i know uh, we like i asked you before the podcast you are on linkedin but i'm assuming you don't uh you know like unlike data scientists you you don't spend much time there what are the best ways to find <laughs> you what are the best ways to find you like like for people to follow you maybe social media or get in touch if you know if they would like to invite you as a speaker to one of their conferences or or work with you as a client yeah i do do a pretty ordinary job on the social media side of things so I've got Facebook pages and that sort of thing, Carl Massey, so people can follow me there. Um, you know, and people can reach out, send me an email, ask me some questions. They can go to my website and, you know, um, sign up for the newsletter. So I do a newsletter every mm, average of two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's really practical, specific, relevant um, information. So I think that would be the best way to get more of um, this sort of information. And then, you know, if there's specific questions, then you just reach out to me. There's always my contact details on the newsletters. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thanks so much. And, of course, if guys, you are ever in Bali, go to Changu and go to the practice and say hi to Carl. He's always hanging out there and having a lot of fun. <laughs> it's the guy with the biggest smile. <laughs> you won't miss him. <laughs> awesome. Well, Carl, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate you sharing all these insights and taking the time of your day to help us you know see how we can better our lives and become more happier and more productive effective and energized yeah it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you very much for the invite and i'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to share some of this stuff with the listeners out there because i 
you know, this is my reason for being. I, I love learning this stuff, but the, the loop isn't closed until I get a chance to share it with other people. So thanks very much for, for listening in on this. And, and like we said, if you've got any questions, don't hesitate to ask. And I'll make sure I'll give some good resources there um, that you can you know, continue your learning with. All right, wonderful. Thank you, Carl. Speaking of gratitude, I'm also extremely grateful on behalf of our listeners for you being here. Thanks very much, buddy. A pleasure. So there you have it, guys. That was Carl Massey. An amazing session. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. Lots of insightful takeaways. I have a feeling I'm going to re-listen to it just, just to get the good vibes and also refresh on that knowledge as well. Um, if you're taking notes, then great. That's great that you can take these things away. Uh, if you weren't, that's also fantastic because hopefully some of those things resonate with you and you could uh, pick up a couple just to enhance your own life. Try them out, see how you go. And if that helps, then add more and slowly, slowly, slowly add more and more and more and make that, make the most out of your life experience. That's what it's all about. Um, on that note, if you'd like to connect with Carl and get in touch and follow him, uh, then all of the links are going to be at the show notes at www.superdayascience.com slash 197. Uh, there you'll find also all of the materials that we mentioned. Carl mentioned a video that he was going to share. You will find it there at superdayascience.com slash 197. Um, and uh, to finish off, uh, the book was called A Guidebook to Happiness. Highly recommend picking it up. Carl's got two other books which you can also check out. And finally, this uh, episode isn't just about data science. Actually, it's not about data science at all. It's about happiness. So if you know somebody in your life who can actually benefit from this information, who can uh, boost their life, who can get more out of their life experience, who you feel needs that little extra push, needs that little extra motivation, then send this episode to them, make their day, make them smile and give them these positive vibes so that they can indeed make the most out of their life experience just as you are going to after today. Thanks so much for being here today. Really enjoyed uh, the time and really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here. And on that note, I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.